Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the next few weeks, we're going to be focusing on the names of Jesus, the names of God. And um, this is um, so important for many reasons, but one of the key things that we really feel that the Lord is, is bringing us towards is we know him by his character, and one of the ways that God has shown his character is through his name. He, he shares so many different names. He's, he's the Rose of Sharon. He's the lily of the valley. He's the lamb that was slain. He's the, he's, the one that st- he's the one that sticks, the friend that stays closer than a brother. And today I'm going to talk about he's the true vine. He's the real vine. And, um, but each of these things that we know about Jesus, he's the prince of peace. Each of these things that we know about Jesus, and how many of you guys know that if we know something about Jesus, we know something about the Father? Because Jesus said, I came to show the Father, and if you know me, you know the Father. And if you know something about the Father, you know something about the Son, because Jesus said, I don't do anything except for what my Father's doing. And, if, and, and he and I are exactly alike. We are, we are in complete agreement about, about what is truly love and truth, and we're here, I'm here, bringing the heart of the Father. And we know that the Holy Spirit, as, as, as Jeff uh, prays very liturgically, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but we have a God who is three and one, and the Holy Spirit, he reminds us of everything that Jesus said, and he only shares the testimony of the Father and of the Son. So we have this awesome picture of what God is like. And, and you guys, when we, when we understand what someone is like, what, and we're, we're talking about God here, when we understand what he's like, how many of you know, if you know that someone has a particular character trait or the ability to do or deliver something, you look to that person for that. But if you don't know that about them, then you're not going to even expect that you would get that from them. So like what, what uh, Mark and Jason were just sharing about, and you guys, I've shared my testimony here. My testimony is one of addiction, coming out of sexual addiction, coming out of uh, so, so many addictions. I collected them. It's a personality type for me. I have a very addictive personality type, and so much of those addictions came out of, and this is everyone that deals with addiction, by the way, comes out of trying to meet legitimate needs in an illegitimate way. If you, if you were to simplify addiction to its, its most basic components, it's meeting an illegitimate, I mean, sorry, a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. I think it was uh, Jim Gaffigan that was saying he was, he was talking about he had to fast for a little while because he was getting a colonoscopy. That's always fun to talk about. And I mean, that's just funny right there. I mean, that's, that's comedic gold. So he had to fast for about a week, and he said after about 16 hours, he's ready to just end it all. He's like, because if I can't eat, then I have to start feeling my feelings. But isn't that a perfect picture, again, of addiction, where you're taking something that's perfectly good and applying it in a way that is not good to try to meet a legitimate need. We have a wound. We have things that are going on, and God is in the process of healing us. He's in the process of healing us, but we have to have those needs met and as we're looking at the names of Jesus, as we're looking at the names of God, we're looking at the character of God, what we're doing is we're actually beginning to have an expectation that God himself wants to meet those legitimate needs. But if we don't know who he is, if we don't know that that's even available in him, we're going to have to meet him a different way. And we're going to meet them in an illegitimate way because God himself is the way, the truth, the life. 
He is love. He is our provision. He is all these things. And we cannot get the things that we can only get from God through something else. We also can't get from God the things that he has caused us to need to get from one another. That's a say law right there, isn't it? Some of us are like, oh, I don't need people. People hurt me. I don't trust them. It's just me and God. But there are certain things that God will not give you directly because he has chosen you to be interdependent, you and I, and we can only receive that one from another. That's the second commandment. Love your neighbor as I have loved you and be loved by your neighbor as I have loved them. So that's what we're talking about today. Is this, is, and, and, and with this, and this is, the, this is the invitation for us, this is the invitation for us, is to have an expectation that we can find these things in God, that we can find these things that we absolutely need and have him meet us in that place of need and have him bring us. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life abundantly, not just only barely enough, but over more and above, you know, overflowing life comes from me. I came to give you life. And part of that abundant life is purpose. I mean, you think about, isn't it incredible? I was just talking with, uh, with uh, Jonathan Allen. Uh, he's one of our missionaries that we support. And he works specifically, he's worked with, uh, with Chinese uh, leaders and universities for years and years until things just recently got shifted. And so he's not able to directly work anymore because of all of the, the uh, turmoil that's going on in China. But he was talking with a Chinese business person who, you know, got their master's in school, graduated absolute top of the top of their class. They're making about $5 million a year, fully engaged in their craft their, 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 that, they, that they went to school for, and said, I have no purpose for living. I have no joy. I have achieved absolutely everything that I sought to achieve but if this is it, is to just go through the motions to do this and, and earn money and work, but with no purpose, unto what end? If this is it, this life isn't even worth living. What an extreme example of not understanding our purpose, of not understanding the meaning that we've been given through Christ, that we were actually designed to be with him, that this life is temporary, you know, when we look at certain things, it's appropriate that we look at it and go, this isn't enough. And here's a person, I mean, they've achieved all of their goals already. They're working in the desired field that they had, and yet, without God, they find themselves saying, is this it? Is this it? Is this everything that I work for? I'm working in a job that, it, yeah, it pays well. It's exactly what I went after, but I hate every day. It's a purposeless life. In God, we have purpose. In God, this has meaning. In in Christ, not only do we have purpose here, but we, we are also being prepared for eternal life. Isn't that beautiful what we find in him? So as we look at these names, we find our purpose, we find our identity, we find, we find the, the meaning to life, we find the answer to the ache that we have. We find purpose, we find community, we find life, and we find it all in him. So today, I want to talk to you about the true vine, the real vine. We're gonna, I'm going to read to you out of the message today, and you can follow along if you would like in, in, uh, in your own Bibles, if, if you've got your, but I'm going to have it up on the screen as well. So I want to start with a statement here, and, and, I'm gonna, and then we're going to walk through, and I've got a couple things to share about these scriptures, but the statement is this, God loves process. God loves process process. 
He is enjoying the process of forming Christ in each of us. Just turn to your neighbor. Just say, God loves process. Now, as you're thinking that over, how many of you guys like process? It's like, raise your hand if you're just like, I like process. Yeah, you're, a, you're in a total minority, and I don't believe you. I'm kidding. I'm, not, I'm kidding. You guys are just further down the road than us, and you've, you've, you've learned to embrace process, or you were probably your mom smoked when you were in the womb and you were born naked. And that's probably what brought it. See, see what I did there? Everyone's born naked. Anyway, the point that I'm making, though, is a really bad joke, and I take it back. But the point that I'm making is that most of us don't like process. Most of us don't like process. What, we, what most of us seek is to arrive at the end of what the process hopefully will create. We have, we're very goal-oriented as a, commun- as a nation. Uh, this, is, this is just the community we've grown up in. And we're very goal-oriented. We don't usually like process. We're usually like, yeah, the process is just the means to the end. And so I don't really want, the means isn't that great for me. I don't really dig that. But what I want you to understand is that God actually really likes process. And so if God likes process, it probably would be a good idea for us to entertain the idea that maybe we better start liking process, especially since we're in one. And he likes it, by the way. So I got to tell you, (laughs) he's not going to change. He's not going to change this for us. So it would be good for us, and here's what I would like to suggest to each of us. First of all, permission granted if you have been feeling defeated and frustrated that this is taking so long, right? This is taking forever. Oh, my gosh. When do we get there? And the Lord's like, well, when you die. (laughs) He's given us about 80 years to form Christ in us unto living forever. Everything in this life is created so that we have an opportunity without being coerced or manipulated to choose God himself and have eternal life or to reject him if we want to. It's totally up to us. And he's given us all about 80 years to make that decision and to form Christ in us as we prepare to live forever with him and each other. Isn't that amazing? And so... For those of us that have some issues with patience, that would be me, <laughs> it's pretty important for me to submit myself to the reality of who God is and how reality works and go, oh, you love process. Then I probably should at least consider, consider being open to the idea of starting to love process too. How many of you guys are willing to consider? You don't have to make your decision right now. You have about 80 years. But consider that you might embrace process. That you might start to value and learn to love process because God actually does. Because that's what's happening right now. And he likes it. So I want, you to, I want you to listen to these scriptures. I want you to embrace uh, or, or at least consider it through that lens of the fact that we have this God who is, who is in the process of forming Christ in us. And Jesus says this. Let's go to John 15, uh, starting in verse 1. Jesus speaking, and I'm reading from the message today. I've got uh, the message translation up. 
And Jesus says, I'm the real vine, and my father's the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes, and every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. And you are already pruned back by the message I've spoken. So the first thing he's saying is, my word in you has already pruned you. In other translations, he says, has already cleaned you. You're already clean, and you're ready to start the process of bearing fruit. You've already been pruned back. My fa- I'm the true vine. I'm the real vine. My father's the vine dresser or the farmer, and he's working to bring about fruit in your life. And here's the great news. You've already received the word, so you are ready to start the process of bearing fruit. Amen? He continues. Live in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. Live in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you. Those words just kind of blow my tiny little mind a little bit here. Go with me for a minute here. Did you hear what Jesus just said? I think we're used to hearing the part of God saying, hey, come live in me, right? I mean, that's, that's fairly, we're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the gospel, right? Come live in God. We want to live in God. But, you know, I was so blessed by this that God is saying, live in me, make your home in me just as I do in you. That's the part, that's the part that is a, that is a wild, different expectation. Did you catch that? God just said, I'm right at home in you. When I'm, when I'm in you, I feel at home. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about, that feeling of coming home, right? When you, when you come home and you know, the world might be going crazy, and half the time it is, right? You, you're at work, it's, you got some friction going on with some peeps here, you didn't make your numbers, or maybe you just got fired, I don't know. Somebody on the road was a real stinker, you lost your temper, you're hungry, you need to use the bathroom, and you really didn't want to be in someone else's. How many of you, some of you guys do that, right? You're like, I ain't, I'm, I'm going to wait till I go home. That's just for a few of you. Let it minister to you. I'm not like that. I don't care. But there are other people. They're like, they're, that's a big part of being home. There's a lot of things about home. I might be diverging a little here. But <laughs> home is home, right? Home is the place where you're just like, things work here. This is my place of peace. This is my fortress. This is the place where yummy food is cooked and it doesn't smell weird. It might smell weird to someone else. But for me, it's like that's how a home is supposed to smell. It's home. There's, there is peace. There's shalom. And God is saying, I feel right at home in you. I seek to come home. I seek to come home to a place of rest, to a place of peace, to a place of completeness, a place of being together in you. What an incredible thing for God to say to us. This is, this, is, this is what the true vine says. This is what the real vine, Jesus, says. Make your home in me as I make my home in you. Be right at home in me and know that I want to be right at home in you.
That's what abiding is. That's what it is to, to be at peace, to understand that, to know that's the kind of God that is in us and that we are in him. He loves to be at home in us. And then he says this, in the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the, to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you're joined with me. So he's saying, all the things I'm about to tell you, all the things that I've been telling you, my commandments, you are going to be completely unable to do that unless you're actually at home in me and I'm at home in you. I have zero expectations that you are going to love well or at all without me being at home in you. Breathe a sigh of relief. That's good news, right? How many of you guys have like, right, tried to be nice? Has anybody ever been on a play date? Do you remember play dates? Anyone? Raise your hand. Does anybody here remember play dates where your mom's like, oh, I brought this kid over for you to play with. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's Booger Dan. Like, nobody likes Booger Dan. And I'm not, and do not tell anyone he's been here. I'm going to lose all my friends if they know. And it's, you know, but you're, you try to be nice, Right? With your natural love, you're trying to love Booger Dan. And it's terrible, isn't it? It's really bad. Like, all you really do is just tolerate them until they leave, and then you tell your mom, never, ever do that again. Well, that's the love we have to offer. That's the love we have to offer. But in Christ, something changes, and we actually see Daniel. And we don't... Like, I remember, I remember when I was 13 years old, um, I grew up in a small town. <laughs> Did anybody guess that? I grew up in a small town, and, um, and I'm walking, and uh, this guy, his name's Doug Seaborn. He's now my brother-in-law, but he was not my brother-in-law then. He's, he's like five years older than me. No, yeah, four or five years older than me. So when you're in, right, when you're in eighth grade, and somebody's four years older than you, like the coolest person in the world, right? It's like a junior seeing an eighth grader. What? That's awesome. And I remember walking along, and Doug pulls up, and he goes, hey, man, what are you up to? And I'm like, I'm just walking around. He's like, get in. And I jumped in his car, and we went and listened to music and hung out, and we became really good friends. Doug Seaborn saw me this little skinny eighth grade kid, and picked me as a friend. Now, he's one of my closest friends. He's my brother-in-law now. He married my sister, you know, years later. But we were friends before he was dating my sister. I don't know why it is that Doug picked me as a friend, but he saw me, right? He didn't see Booger Josh. <laughs> he saw me, and he picked me. And this is what happens, like, can you, can you remember these feelings, right, when somebody that you considered way cooler and way, like, they had more to offer than you saw you and picked you, right? Maybe it was, maybe it was who's now your wife, right, when that beautiful girl actually saw you and you're like, oh, I can't believe this is happening, don't screw it up. It's, it, go, it happens in so many ways, but it's when somebody actually sees you. Are you guys, are you guys feeling this? And it's, it's. It's relationship. It's like God. But, and God does that as we're in him. He actually causes us to see people as he sees them and to love them and to pick them. 
And Jesus is saying, that's what's happening when you abide in the vine, when you're, in, when you're in me, you will see people, you will stop, you will see them, you won't see them as Booger Dan, you'll see them as Daniel. You won't see them as, as, as Lefty Libby, you'll see them as Nancy. Are you with me? You won't see them as like right-wing racist. I'm not saying that these monikers work, I'm saying you hear them all the time, okay? Are you guys hearing me? Then you see Joe. You see a son of the Most High, a daughter of the Most High, and you, and, you, and you say, my father wants to be at home in you. And my home, my home is different if you're not in it. That's what Jesus is inviting us to do when we abide in the vine, when we come home in the vine. Then we are able to produce the fruit of love. If we don't, we simply cannot. The best that we will do is a, a certain form of self-congratulatory, ambivalent tolerance of other people. And that's great news, by the way, that he doesn't expect us to be able to love without him. That's the beauty that the true vine asks us, invites us into. Let's continue. I'm the vine and you are the branches. And when you're joined with me and I with you, the, the relation intimate and organic, then the harvest is sure to be abundant. So if you're in me, you can expect that love will manifest in your life. However, separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood gathered up and thrown into the bonfire. Now this, Jesus is saying, this is the definition of what it looks like versus a healthy fruitful branch that will bring forth the fruit of love versus a stick laying on the ground. So picture beautiful grapes growing out of a branch from a vine versus a stick laying in the dirt. He's going, this is the difference between if you abide in me or you don't abide in me. So he contrasts it for us. But if you make yourselves at home with me, there it is again, if you make yourselves at home with me, and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who he is when you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. And what are those grapes? Well, he's going to get into that. He says, I've loved you the way my Father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. And that's what I've done. I've kept my Father's commands and made myself at home in his love. You've received. He's saying to us, you see how I love you? You see how I love you? That's my Father's love. I want you to love others. I want you to make yourself at home in my Father's love. Accept it. Know it. Live in it. Breathe it. Rest in it. Trust that you can't bring any fruit apart from actually receiving this and living in this reality. And, and in fact, you and I can say, okay, so to the degree that we're having a hard time loving other people, don't condemn yourself. Stop and say, ah, oh, why am I a total dead stick about this? What's going on? I'm, there's a lot of dead stickiness in me, and I'm trying to make grapes. <laughs> he said, no, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do that. I want you to accept 
my love, I want you to let me make myself at home in you, and you will find, in fact, he promises, you will find that you will bear fruit. So we can, so we can stop and say, why, why am I only tolerating people, Lord? What is happening? And we turn and say, am I, am I aware of you right now? Am I resting in your love right now? Do I even have an expectation that you're the true vine and you've invited me to let you be at home in me and I get to be at home in you? Am I aware of that right now? Am I even thinking about it? Is it even an expectation? And, and I would say many times we'll find, oh, I'm not. I'm not really thinking about resting in your love. I'm not thinking about receiving your love. I'm not thinking about the fact that you actually find rest in me, that I'm that comfy living room that smells just the way you like it, has got fresh baked cookies going on, and you want to come and sit down inside of this home and be at peace. Do I have that expectation of you, Lord? Am I making room for that? Do I even imagine that that's real? And I would say to some degree, for most of us, maybe not. And as we begin to do that, then we suddenly go, oh, something's happening. I'm not seeing you as your irritating current habits, right? How many of us have met annoying people? Or I should say it like this. We call them annoying people. That's kind of naughty. How many of us have met people that annoy us? And what we see, yeah, my man right there, good man. Um, we have one truth teller in the house. No, we, we all have that. And, and that's just simply our natural love. But as we set into Christ, suddenly those things actually become, they're still there. There are still things that have to be addressed. Jesus is literally confronting us lovingly with the truth right now. He's not saying, oh, it's all good, do whatever you want, it all equals love. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying, as you let me abide in you and you abide in me, you will be able to love in a much greater way like I love. You'll extend grace like I extend grace. You will speak like I speak. The fruit will flow out of you. And he continues, I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command. Love one another the way that I love you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You're my friends when you do the things I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master's thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. You didn't choose me, remember. I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you, but remember the root command, love one another. Such a powerful and profound thing. We can measure our, our fruit of whether or not we're abiding in God based on whether or not we actually love other people. This world will tell you, essentially, oh, that's a toxic relationship. It's just not good for you. You need to step out of that. Um, you don't need to be around negative people to just drag you down. God says, I want you to go and act like I act. Now, Jesus does call out destructive behavior. So we do that with each other. Hey, I want to tell you, I love you. I'm not going anywhere. Can we talk about this situation? 
that's affecting our connection. But that's very different than, you know what, I need to tell you something. You are a trigger for me. We're not going to hang out anymore. That's, that's not love. That's not love. Jesus had a trigger. It was called the sin of the world. And it killed him. Greater love has no man than this, that he lays his life down for his friends. But that's a supernatural love. I'm not, are you guys, are you seeing this? It's an actual miracle. <laughs> but it's bought with the blood of Jesus. It's bought by a father who said, I will give my son to redeem all of you. Come abide in that kind of love. And it's in a son, Jesus, who said, I will come for you. <laughs> I just keep thinking about that. I will come for you. This is the love that I have for you. My father wants to be at home in you, and there's only one way I can make that happen, and I'm gonna come and live the life that y'all should have lived, die the death you all deserve to die, so that you can live the life that I deserve to live. That's, that's, the, that's the vine, that's the true vine, that's the one that's inviting us into this. So, so this, is, this is bought and paid for, and it's supernatural. It's, but it's the reality of what we're invited into. We can abide in the vine, and he forms this in us. And this process is what we're in. Isn't that beautiful? And we're learning how to be aware of that. I'll, I'll finish with this, and uh, I actually forgot my communion elements. Is there one back there? Could you grab me a little cup, man? Appreciate that. Um, this year, I was, I was frustrated, um, and I was getting irritated as I um, was waiting for things to shift. Um, you might let my little brother know that I got one so he's not looking for what he can't find. Thanks, Mark. Um, and I was just basically telling the Lord, like, you need to fix stuff. Like, you need to fix this COVID thing. You need to fix this, like, political unrest thing. You need to fix the, the, the like, all of these lists of problems, the economy. Uh, you need to fix this thing where aim- neighbors are treating each other really bad. And, 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 and where strangers are yelling at each other. And the list went on. And I was basically like, God, here's my list of things that you need to fix so that I can feel at peace and have joy. And he just, you know how he does that, right? He just kind of speaks right into your heart. Um, I, I have never heard the audible voice of God, but when he speaks to me, he often brings to mind scriptures. And then he'll just drop like a fully formed thought into the same place where we think our thoughts, okay? But I'm like, yeah, I'm not that smart. That's, that's not me. He just drops it right into my spirit, okay? So he dropped this right into my spirit. He basically just said, Joshua, before all this happened, you were at peace. You were content in many ways. When this happened, it interrupted the things that were bringing you peace and contentment, which were a gift from me, but they are not me. And you have access to me and you've had access to me for the last 18 months. But that is not where you're looking for your peace and your contentment. And if I, and not if, but, and when I restore things, that will mean nothing different if you don't want to find peace and contentment in me. And I, he's he's so kind. I, I didn't. He didn't condemn me. He wasn't like, Josh, you little jerk. Not at all. He just told me the truth, like how he does. And he's like, you can have the peace and contentment that you want in the midst of the turmoil and the transition and the, tr- and the tumultuous moment that you're in. 
if you want it in me, if I'm what you want. But if you want circumstances, even when they change, you still won't have what you're looking for. Are you guys seeing that? And it was, and and as he was bringing that, I mean, I'm just confessing my sins to you, right? Um, But as he was bringing that, that was the springboard of this where I'm going, Jesus, ah, in this facet, you're right. I don't want you. I want the world to work correctly. It's okay for us to want the world to work correctly, but it will never be enough on its own. We fight for that. We work for that. We share that. But it's not Jesus. It's not the true vine. I can only be at home if he is at home in me. So this week, I want to just let us meditate. Let us return to the true vine. Let us abide in him. Let us make our home in him. That he could make his home in us. And the fruit that we'll bear is that we will love others well. We will love others well and invite them into that same peace, that same purpose, that same shalom because Jesus Christ is the true vine and we were created to live in him. Amen? Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body and it's broken for you. And as often as you do this, do this until I return, you'll be preaching my death until I come home. This is not a cheap grace that we've received. God does not let guilty people go free without justice being served. He was broken for the punishment for every wicked thing that's been done in this earth. Jesus himself took that punishment. God does not wink at sin. He allowed himself to be destroyed by it so that we could be saved. Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body. Then he took the cup and he blessed it and he said, this is the new covenant, the forgiveness of sins and with it eternal life. And it is my blood that will be poured out on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving our sins and for offering redemption to those that would receive it. Let's take it together.